I want to welcome you, Duncan, to In My Feels. Um, In My Feels is basically um, thoughts, feelings, emotions on the inside, create your outside exterior. So we always start the podcast with how are you feeling right now? I'm, you know, I'm feeling pretty good right now. Uh, I, I haven't been feeling great uh, with the pandemic, but today's actually a pretty good day. Thank you for asking. Absolutely. How are you, Noah? I'm good. You know, I, um, the past two weeks, I think I told you I've been having a lot of anxiety. And um, so I've just been doing a lot of therapy and like work, like doing that every single day. Um, like before this, I was on the phone with her. After this, I'll be on the phone with her uh, wow. doing my therapy because I, I'm, I'm, I easily retract. Um, and like, that's just something that like, I, you know, need to work on with myself with keeping up with my therapy or like, you know, and not falling back just because I'm feeling really happy and feeling like that's going to be permanent, you know, because if I don't keep up with it and I don't keep practicing, you know, then it's not going to, you know, last. And so then I retract. And I think, um, you know, I just needed to keep practicing and by, by practicing, I mean, just like talking with my therapist, like that helps me so much. And I have this, uh, anxiety workbook that I do and I hadn't been doing that for a while. <clears throat> and so I've been having like, you know, a lot of anxiety and, um, kind of felt like I was retracting a bit with like my depression, but overall, like life-wise, I'm very happy and grateful for where I am. And I feel like we don't talk about where we are a lot on the show, but uh, I feel like this is our last one for a minute, but like we just, I don't know. I am very grateful with what's happening in my life. I'm very happy with where I am in my life. Like I have a great boyfriend. I have a great career. I have a great, but it's sometimes, you know, my mental doesn't let me accept that and be happy, you know, and just see like all the good things because I still go after me, you know, and you're not really going to be happy with everything that's around you until you're happy with you. And that's kind of been my life battle, you know, was, is Noah versus Noah. So I think that's where I'm at right now. I'm just like, you know, I'm present and I'm grateful, but I'm also dealing with my personal battles that I've, struggled with my whole life that definitely I think the pandemic have you know just sitting around for a lot of people uh that have anxiety that have depression bipolar mental health issues I don't like saying issues but I say issues because I have them so I <laughs> I you know other people are like, it's not an issue but for me um I think it, it, it it's kind of sparked those a little bit spiked it up up on the charts a bit and i've seen more people are anxious and depressed and you know so it's just you know how are you lou are you keeping up with your meditation um, i mean i, I mean I, I, I'm, I'm as no one knows i'm fully aware of my my feelings and my emotions and i've I, you know to a t i know what they create um, and I've kind of mastered, I, I wouldn't say I've mastered the art of that. I've mastered the art of the expectation of it. Um, so everything in my life right now is what I expect, um, regardless of how I'm feeling. Um, 
So, but I mean, honestly, I'm, I, I think I'm feeling the best I've ever felt. I think this, this pandemic, I mean, obviously there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, but for me, I mean, I, I've tend to, re I've removed myself from, you know, social media or from news or from anything else that kind of affects my mental state. Um, and I have a nine month old, so, um, it's kind of, thank you. Thank you. I know you have I, a, a young I, one too. I do. Um, so I, I you know, I've, I've kind of transformed my life of not, you know, for example, making money for me is, is freedom, freedom to have choices for what I want to do. So I now have turned my mental state being like, well, if I look after my daughter, the more money I'm going to make. Hmm. Not as, as a comparison to her as money. That's not the, not the thing in terms of her, my sole focus is now her. Hmm. And with that comes everything else. Right. Um, so I'm kind of on that, that, that wavelength now, even, you know, the full moon I was at in the full moon, I was like, yes, my life is great. Um, and all these type of things, but you know, I can trace back when I used to feel, um, anxiety and depression and all these type of things. And my life would be chaotic and I attract more situations, which would enable me to feel those same things, if not more intense. So I, you know, I, I guess I, I, I want to scream from the, the hilltops, like this shit is real. Like it's magic out here. We're, we, we're conjuring our own universes. Um, and you know, I want to bring it as practically as possible to audiences like this. Um, so again, so thank you so much, Duncan. I mean, talk about manifestation. I was literally watching Midnight Gospel. And I was like, I have to have that motherfucker on this show. He was spitting so many bars and, and animation and everything about else. The, <laughs> uh, we talk about Midnight Gospel probably like every time we speak. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we're both very excited to have you on the show. Um, but like, I have to tell you, Lou is your biggest fan. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm so excited. Like, I just, I, I know how, like, we've literally like, I, I showed my, my boyfriend the episode the other day. Um, and we all just are amazed by you. Well, how do you think I feel? I get to talk to y'all. That's <laughs> wild that you summoned me. I really did think like, holy shit. Why do I get to talk to them? You y'all are both very talented and mind blowing work out there. Um, mind blowing. So Ooh. thank you so much for having me. Oh my God. I mean, uh, so uh, just back to Midnight Gospel because I've, I've watched it about 25 times. I let someone uh, dog sit and I feel like the, a demon is in the house. Like I'm gonna have to burn <laughs> stage or something. Sweetest guy ever, but it's like now all my gear is weird. And like he let he put dog poop in the toilet with a <laughs> toilet with like with it clogged the toilet. The whole the, the house smells like a fucking tent at Burning Man or something. <laughs> like some awful mix of like almonds and dog shit. It's funny because. Anyway, we have all this equipment. I have the, um, the Rodecaster Pro for when I bought it before the pandemic. Um, so I thought we could have a round table and everyone would be sitting around vibing. But uh, it's just me by myself on Zoom. Isn't it? It's so intense, man. I mean, regardless of your mental state, your consciousness. Yeah. Right now, just the, the, the many moments of just bizarre dystopian absurdity. Yeah. You know, they can really send you reeling. I mean, it's funny because I mean, before the pandemic, I was, I was, I mean, I, we were, we were working music. So we're meeting so many people. Uh, but I realize now I love being a social recluse. Yeah, me too. I love it. Like I've, I've, I'm like, I'm genuinely thriving. But then again, I, I also work on myself every minute of every day. So, you know, if an, a thought comes in that I don't like, I question it enough until it goes away. 
Um, so, you know, but that, like, again, that's me in terms of the pandemic. Um, I just, I want to get back to, um, so the midnight gospel. So how did you create that? I mean, was it the podcast that came first, the visuals, and then the extra sounds of you, like, you know, sliding down something. And I'm so, I'm, I'm just obsessed with it. Yeah. Well, so we, uh, we picked out some episodes that we liked really what it started off with. We had a writing summit for two weeks where we had, uh, it was the best mix of people because, you know, people wanted to work with Pendleton. So like Weird Al was there for a week, which was just surreal for me. And then we also had uh, Maja Da'u, who is a witch, because we, wow. we knew that we were going to, it was about the end of the world. And we wanted to have like a feminine take on it, you know, and um, are we, we talking had, about like Wicca witch or yeah, she's okay. the witch of the dawn. She lives in Echo Park. Um, <laughs> she she's amazing. And uh, we had my friend Jason Louv, who's an occult scholar in the writers' room. Because basically, what we were asking people is in, visualize ways the world could end. And they so everybody came up with like these ridiculous apocalypses. Then we chose the ones we liked best, and we wrote some after the fact. And uh, then we did the beats of how, okay, what would it look like if there was a city that ran on meat? And what would happen if there was a terrorist attack and the city fell apart? And we, we, we wrote all those beats out and then we would have the audio from the podcast usually cut down to like 20 minutes, lay that on top of those beats. And then naturally you would begin to see places where you had to pin the uh, conversation to the action. Because if you didn't do that, then the conversation became background noise. And that was, that was the process. I mean, each episode had its own challenges. Uh, and each episode had moments of like, where we we're all like, I don't think we can make this work. It's impossible to make someone talking about, you know, some the, you know, that that you actually can be with a dead body. Uh, you're not going to get sick from being around a dead body. It's like, how do you pin that onto someone like being in the Kabbalistic tree of life. Yeah. You know, there's like real challenges that were very in fun once we figured out how to work them out. But in the process, there was many gasping moments. I mean, and even the, the, the animation, if people who haven't seen it, who are listening, um, Midnight Gospel, watch it, please, because it's phenomenal. I mean, each episode is different. Each one is, I guess it was, it was originally a podcast and yeah, then it was animated after the fact, right? That's right. Pendleton liked my podcast, the Duncan Trussell Family Hour. And so yeah. we became friends. There's another thing. It's like chatting with y'all. I mean, you know, it's a weird thing. It's like you, I'm sure you're familiar with this as well, which is when you make something, you, it's like you're throwing a message in a bottle out to the world. And, and so sometimes people respond to it and, and that you would never imagine connecting with. That to me is the magic of creating things these days, really. It's just that you're or sort of like creating some kind of mycelial network with other creative people and then processing ideas together, collaborating, even if it's just a conversation. So Pendleton uh, liked my podcast and we became friends and, and some, somewhere into that friendship, he had this idea like, what happens if we took like Indiana Jones and replaced the dialogue with podcast dialogue? And then it was such a brilliant way to sort of shift mediums to from podcasting to animation and then then we built the world of the chromatic ribbon uh around that idea and, and the and created the character of clancy you know around this basic nucleus of like whoa it's kind of funny 
to see people having heady conversations during like ridiculous, absurd action moments. And sometimes kind of like surprisingly intimate, you know, somehow the, the, cause that's the other thing. I think we're all getting this from the pandemic, aren't we? Which is that not that this is the end of the world, but there is something apocalyptic in the, in what's happening to all of us. There is something reminding everybody about just how fragile society is right now. And it's not like all we're doing is sitting around talking about the pandemic. We're having very wonderful. You're you're going out and dancing under the moon. <laughs> yeah. Noah, yeah. Noah is talking to her therapist. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure what Noah's talking about isn't only the only COVID. You know, which is like at the end of the. Not that this is the end of the world because I don't think I think we're on the precipice of a renaissance actually. But and dancing under the moon, and I am. <laughs> <laughs> every five seconds that's great that pretty much sums us up <laughs> yeah it's amazing um so pendleton for people who don't know is the create well creator of adventure time and many other amazing things which i i love too um i, I read that you were on adventure time yes uh yes pendleton put me on adventure time as a potion vendor a very small part that's, I mean, it's, that's amazing. I mean, it was amazing. Like, I couldn't believe it. And because, because Adventure Time now is finished, right? It's done. Yeah. Adventure Time's done. I mean, I think so. I, I, I think there might be some remake of it or something. I'm not really sure, but the, yes, the Adventure Time is done. Because even now I, I watch things as like, would my daughter watch that? And I'd be like, it's on Cartoon Network, right? So it's, it's kind of, it feels like it's made for adults. But it's yeah. kind of not, and then it can get super deep. Yes. Well, I mean, my God, you know it. You know it. You're a father now. Kids yeah. are super deep. Yeah. You know, like you realize how easy it is to get mixed up just because someone has is linguistic, and that maybe someone has the ability to put words together in a flashy way that's hypnotic. That doesn't really mean that they have any kind of intelligence. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the new AI that Elon Musk is all freaked out about, it's creepy, man, and it it really perfectly duplicates uh, the way we talk. It writes ridiculous essays and stuff, and, but that doesn't mean much. Uh, so when you're around a child, you realize, oh my God, these, these are geniuses. These are unfiltered, pure, honest, authentic geniuses. That's one of the beautiful things about children, isn't it? They're just honest. Yeah. You know, sometimes when my boy wants to be with his mom, I'll go into the room. They're like watching cartoons and he'll look at me and he'll go, bye. bye. <laughs> <laughs> Pure honesty. Yeah. You know, I love it. It's like, okay, no problem, kid. I get it. I would want to be with my mom too. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kids are, um, I, I call them the, the instant manifestors um, because they operate from such a, a, a position of now. Mm um they don't know they don't remember a tantrum they don't know what they're eating in five minutes they don't it's not in their universe and i'm trying to get back to that space right well yeah you know in buddhism that's called samsara you know we get lost it's like i'm actually reading this really fascinating book my friend told me to get it because i was having back pain you know like it's a trick i think it's a tricky thing to give someone a self-help book because it's like there's an implicit you know you're kind of crazy when somebody yeah yourself out book i love it though this book's called healing back pain and uh it's wild because it's sort of indicating and i looked it up this is like scientific studies it's not woo woo bs but you're 
subconscious manifests in your back. And sometimes if you're really angry or if you've, if you've got like unresolved shit, it, it appears in your back. It's so, cause, cause it's like, it's gotta go somewhere. And it, and it, and so a lot of back pain in the book, he calls it a kind of semi nightmare. It's so like, you know, one of these ideas in Buddhism is really interesting, which is that, you know, we, it's not like when you wake up, you stop dreaming. It's just that you, you're not aware of your dreams anymore. You're, this world is filtering out your dreams. And then this thing you're talking about, it's like, we're always up in our head, you know, and, and always like processing, processing, processing. And that becomes reality. Mm -hmm. That's a secondary reality. That's not reality. This is a daydream. So you're walking around, there's some phenomena happening and your mind is like doing color commentary on it to you, interpreting it, adding all this shit onto it. And the next thing you know, you're in bed. No, I've been so depressed that I have laid in bed and been within inches of pissing my bed, literally paralyzed with depression. I can deeply connect with you on what that's like. I, I, every day I have, I'm more afraid of getting depressed again than I am of like my cancer coming back, believe it or not. Not that I want either to happen, but it's like one of them you can still feel. One of them at least you're still here. You can walk around. You don't have to like, you know what I mean? It doesn't feel like someone turned the gravity of the earth up by 19. It's like, you know, the, the so, I, you know, I really like have to have a work on myself, you know, and I, and when I was younger, it was because, uh, it was because I wanted like magical powers or some shit, you know, like telepathy or be cool to like astrally project. Now it's just because I don't want to be a victim of my own mind. You know, I don't want to be dragged around by my own mind. Like when you're trying to like uh, domesticate a wild horse, you know, I want to, I want to be here. Here's great. Wow. Sorry for the rant, my friends. That, no, that was, I love that. Yeah, that was great. Um, I mean, I want to I want to touch up on an episode because uh, I have so many questions on this episode. Um, um, the episode with your mum literally just like broke my heart. I cried for the whole thing. Um, but it was, you know, it was it it, it wasn't a sad cry. It was like because I mean, I've never seen a conversation between. I mean, I talk about my mum all the time about death, and you know, she she hates she she's like no, she's so scared of death, whereas I'm the opposite. Um, I'm re reading this book at the moment called Proof of Heaven. Um, which is a neuroscience, a neuroscientist who, who was brain dead for seven days and then went to this magical world, came back and wrote about it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm so fascinated by all these type of things. Um, and I know how difficult it is to have that conversation. I've never seen it in a way that it was portrayed as you portrayed it. I think it was super, super unique. Mm. Um, and to be honest, I want to commend you at the, you know, cause you. we don't have those conversations and, you know, and we always put the opposite of, you know, death is is the end whereas life is 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 the start but you know if if birth is life then death is life too so it's not the end but i you know i mean how did you feel at that time like recording that that episode i mean it, it was it was incredible thank you i wasn't there at all i mean i didn't want to record it i yeah you know, lose back then losing us a, a parent is just forget it man it's like yeah. you're you're I, I was downstairs i was i was reading god i was on my kindle reading what is what's the trilogy the, okay now i can't even remember mocking jay or whatever the 
You know what I'm talking about? It's this famous movie that came out. Damn it, I wish I could remember. The point is, I was like, I can't even remember what I was reading. I was I was desperately trying to escape the, the, the grief, the heartbreak. And I was going into anything I could to like get away from that. Because at, the, at that point in my life, I really didn't have any kind of practice. And I was really, really, really heartbroken. And, uh, and I, you know, when your you're parent has a cancer, it's years and years of it. It's not, it's not like they die all of a sudden. So you, you, you sort of, if you get all these conflicting emotions, there's a part of you that wants their suffering to end. There's a part of you that wants them to be around forever. And then ultimately there, that you just don't under, you cannot understand it, uh, until it happens. And so she called me upstairs and said, it's time, let's do it. Let's do it. And I didn't want to do it. Cause I think subconsciously, I thought that I knew it'd be the last podcast I did with her. And so, you know, your mind does all these crazy bits of bad math. Like, oh, if I don't do the podcast, maybe she'll live longer, you know, that sort of thing. And, and what's really beautiful about death and a dying person who's dying consciously is they are fully in the truth. All the, all the shit falls away. All the, a lot of the masks just fall away because it's, it's, they're fully there. And so you end up getting the sense of being around a saint or around a someone, you know, a monk or a, a someone who there's a, a, a very, a really interesting mystical quality to them because it's a portals opening up around them. They're, they're about to let go of their body. They've, you know, that in, in, depending on what, lens you want to look at it through that's a real celebratory time you've you you come here for a reason and you've done your work and now it's time to you know keep to go to say goodbye but that's actually we're all saying goodbye that's why in that episode one of the images is you know a, a i was a planet or a, a moon around a planet being pulled into a black hole because the other Im implied thing when your parents are passing away is like what you think this isn't going to happen to you, mm -hmm. you know, like this is, you will to you, this will happen to you. And, and so, you know, it's, it's very, it, sometimes I think, and this sounds like the most boring ass way to think of it, but it's like, you know, we're all in the same airport. We just don't know when the flights are coming in and all of us are going to catch a flight eventually into the next thing. There's just no way around that. And uh, so it was a really powerful thing that she did because she fully recognized my lack of recognition. She fully recognized my masks and my games I was playing and my denial and probably my heartbreak and my despair. And she, in that lucid moment, downloaded a lot of information to me. And obviously we had no idea it would end up on Netflix. And to me, that's something really beautiful about what she did is because to me, there's something transcendent about the reality of losing a parent. We all have to face that eventually. It's why it's in so many Disney movies. It's why it's in all these kids movies is because this is a universal situation of heartbreak that we find ourselves in, which is the beings that we have known the longest in the universe will more than likely be the first to depart. And uh, so there's a lot there that I hope that, uh, you know, I have gotten messages from people who have 
lost people and have expressed that it they didn't get to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're glad that they made my mom's conversation with me their conversation. Because I think it is kind of a universal language. Once you get that close to the truth, once you start becoming the truth, I think personality, all the stuff that we apply so much energy to exerting into the world becomes a secondary consideration. And people who are very close to the truth all seem to say the same thing. And they say in different ways, different languages, different, you know, they use different words according to their culture, et cetera. But generally the same message seems to come out of them. And it's a really beautiful message. It's the opposite of the way I used to feel about death. Mm-hmm. Um, no, have you ever had conversations with your mom about death? Because, I, I mean, I do all the time with, with my mom. I literally, after the episode, I called her straight my away. And it was... Conversation. Um... Yeah, that yeah, we do. It's like a really, really deep conversation. Because I think death is like my biggest fear. I was also like on the phone with my grandfather whenever he died in the hospital. Mm. So um, like my grandfather died of lung cancer. and we were in LA filming that, that the Hannah show. And I was so young. That's what I was probably like five or six. Um, and my grandfather, my grandfather was dying of lung cancer. And we, we were all speaking on the phone, like for his last phone call. And we got the option to record his last phone call. And I think that might be one of the reasons why I'm so afraid of death maybe because like I don't know um just because like as a young kid like I didn't really understand what was happening you know what I mean like um but we had that like recording of our last phone call you know with my grandfather and um we weren't able to be there and I think that's what kind of has given me that like fear of like not being able to say goodbye or not you know um but for me it's more like, so Duncan, we just met, but like my mom and I are very close, um, like on another level, Lou would probably tell you, like we, I, like she moves, I move type of thing, you know, I move, she moves, like, um, just because she's kind of the only person that's really been my support system my whole life, like really, my mom's like kind of only been the only one. So I think whenever it comes down to you talking about they're kind of your first person you meet in the world and hopefully not the first to say goodbye, but that's kind of always been our fear, like our fear and our conversation about it is like, I don't want to be here if you're not going to be here type of thing is like how mom and I talk about it, you know, is like the unfairness of that. Like, you know, my mom is like, I don't want to be, you know, my mom has five kids. And, you know, the, the hard thing about that is like, you know, she, we just all have such different relationships, you know, but my mom is so close with each and every one of us that so she has these type of conversations with all of them. But for me and her, you know, we've like been, we've been, okay. For instance, we've been on an airplane, right. And the, the turbulence was really, really fucking bad like really, 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 really bad. And my, my brother and 
dad have actually had to land in the lake, like Jeez. in a like, yeah, like so we were like, we were pretty scared, you know? <laughs> and like, we were just sitting there and like, we were holding each other. And I just remember like, my mom like started crying because my mom has really bad anxiety with airplanes. And like, she, we, I was just like, at least we're together, you know? Like, you know, and that was kind of like the one thing that like kind of calmed her down was like, at least we're together. Yeah. And, you know, that was kind of like the thing that we've always talked about is like, I don't want to be like, cause I think the, the, the fear of the unbearable pain that you feel that you feel barely from heartbreak, you know, cause it's kind of like a heartbreak is, I feel like it's kind of like a, a taste of, of, of what losing somebody feels like permanently. Mm. Um, the fear of that heartbreak is, is I think the, the, Thing that scares me the most is like the unknown pain yeah yeah well you know what listen that is beautiful you know what's beautiful about what you said? many things are beautiful about what you said one of the things that's very beautiful about what you said is the your fear of death is so compassionate a lot of people don't want to die because they're afraid that they're not going to exist anymore that's like really like i don't want to like i don't like i don't want to fear like no that's I, I, that scares me. Like right now, like that gives me like a feeling of, of like fear. Yeah. Well, you know, this is one of, there's so many things you have to contend with after losing a parent. Uh, and certainly one of them is just crater devastation. I'm not going to try to put lipstick on the fish there. It's just sucks bad for a while. And there's no way around that. And you're, yes, it, uh, yeah, it is something like the heartbreak you're talking about. Um, yeah, something like that. Uh, but then there's the other thing that happens that I'm sure you've heard about and something that people don't really talk about because they don't want people to feel sorry for them. But people who were in the lost, in the dead parent club, which I am a member, father and mother, they- Mom lost her dad in 19. And then my dad lost his dad when I was- when I was six. Do they tell you sometimes that they still talk to them? They feel their presence or there's a sense of connection? My dad and Pappy, yes. My mom, my mom isn't really, she doesn't really believe in that. She's, she's more like, she doesn't believe that like she could, mm. cause my mom's like a Christian woman and like, she like, you know, I always tell her, like, I feel this, I feel that. And, like, she, like, does, she just is, like, I don't know. You know, she's, she's indifferent about it. But she does, she's never said anything, like, about her dad. But my dad and I feel, like, happy around a lot. Yeah. Um, like, I have, like, this picture of him in my living room, in the room over. And there's, like, a break in the glass, right? And it's this heart-shaped picture. And literally... There was no break in the glass until one day when I was probably like nine years old, we were listening to his uh, phone call, me and my dad. Um, and this was like one of four times I've seen my dad cry in my entire life. And my dad 
started sobbing and he started apologizing to me and he was like you're not supposed to see me cry and I was and I've already I've always understood sadness really well I don't know why um my dad the very first song I ever learned to sing was Seasons in the Sun by Terry Jacks um which if you know the song it's a song about death yeah um and it's him saying Terry Jacks I believe he he died of AIDS, I believe. And he um, wrote this song saying goodbye to every single person in his life, Lou. Uh, I, I don't know if you've heard this song, but basically that's the first song I ever sang. And I remember, I remember being a kid uh, and singing the song and feeling the pain, feeling the pain and, and being way younger than six, like, you know, when I talk about first song I ever sang, I, I mean, like, for real. So I think I've already always understood, like, pain and stuff and, like, death and stuff from a really young age. But my dad was playing the recording, which he has, that leads into a song. He's playing it and he started crying. And a rainbow um, came across the room and yeah. it went across the picture. And I, remember, and I remember saying to him, like, look, like a rainbow, like it's pappy. And I like when I picked up the picture and then the picture had like split right where the rain, right where the, the rainbow was. Wow. Like, I just like forever, like, I don't know. I always look at that crack in the glass and I never changed the crack in the glass because I was like, that was such a powerful moment. Whether you want to believe it or not believe it for me and my dad in that moment, like, there was like, you know, some, for us, at least, you know, we definitely had that connection. And my dad and I have for sure had times where like, you know, we live in a house where I think it's very spirited. Yeah. Um, and in Nashville. And so, you know, there's a lot of times like my dad and I will be like, feel like you can just kind of like feel it in your chest or like, there's been times I've literally been in the front yard and I probably sound like crazy but i literally not crazy wait i'm sorry i want to show you something i don't mean to cut this story off no, i want no, to show no. you how not crazy you seem you're blowing my mind let me show you something i have to grab it really quick grab it grab it <laughs> <laughs> i'm like my boyfriend's gonna hear me talking about dead people and think i'm crazy seeing dead people. <laughs> what is this this is my picture of the dalai lama that oh I, I got at a Ram Dass retreat and I broke the glass and I oh keep, no way yeah I keep the I keep I don't I don't want to replace it because I think the crack in the I feel like that's re, that represents yeah everything. I can't change the crack in the glass yeah exactly that's exactly right yeah <laughs> well I feel like I have to get mine now. Now I have to get mine. Fuck. No one's getting hers now, Duncan. She <laughs> wants to show you the, the picture. Wow. That's cool. This is great. I mean, oh my God. Like I'm talking to Duncan Trussell. I'm so like mind blown. So sweet. Thank you for including me in this. Give me a break. You're very kind. Thank you. Absolutely. I carry mine everywhere. And this is like kind of my only photo I have of us. Oh wow. And you can like see the crack. Yeah, I right. see it. Beautiful. Yeah, 
And so I keep it and I literally, it's the only photo I have, only one. So I keep it with me and I take it like, you know, on tour with me and I keep it in my bag. And yeah, so you it kind of everywhere. The type of Buddhism I studied, also that rainbow is, you know, there's something called rainbow body. And when, um, so when some of these like advanced beings die, it's really common for a rainbow to appear. And that's like, that's, it's called rainbow body. It's a, it's a real thing. One time an Uber driver told me I was a rainbow child. What does that mean? Well, you are a rainbow child. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I, I got many child. definitions, but. You I, told me this on the 4th of July in Lake Tahoe. What does this mean? Well, I mean, <laughs> I like the biblical version of it the best. You know, I, to me, like. That story is so beautiful, which is just well, that- I named after the rainbow that came after Noah's Ark. That's why my mom named me Noah. What? There, oh my God, how beautiful. What a vision. That's so cool. And there's also a woman in the Bible. There's also a woman named Noah before they introduced Noah's, or like they introduced, before Noah's Ark. <laughs> before they introduced Noah's Ark, before Noah's Ark even happens, uh, there was a woman named Noah. But- like usually my mom had like a rainbow painted in my room and stuff and it was kind of was named after the rainbow i want to touch back on the the obviously the episode um just because there was so much going on um you know there was a, a reincarnational aspect yes to, to that episode um uh which was amazing i mean you know you know, your mom, your mom gave birth to you. And then in the episode, you give birth to your mom and yeah. all these, all these uh, re reincarnational aspects. And the reason why I want to touch up on it is because my, when my wife was pregnant, her, her grandma who passed over, she kept having dreams about her. And she's never had, she's never had dreams about her for, for wow. years. So we're convinced that my daughter is her, her grandma. Wow. So, I mean, I just want to tell is, is that a personal belief of yours? The whole the reincarnation? I mean, I believe in it, but I just wanted to... Yeah, I mean, you know, to me, there's something funny that happens where you get around and, and no offense to anybody at whatever anyone believes, you know, there's my teacher's teacher, Chogim Chopra Rinpoche would say, your guess is as good as mine. Mm -hmm. And he was, you know, a, he's like a reincarnated Tibetan, you know, he was literally taken as a child into a, mo into a monastery and his teacher was the Dalai Lama's teacher, Dilgo Kinsey Rinpoche, but he would, he didn't even know. So he would say, your guess is as good as mine. And so uh, if he doesn't know, how could any of us know? But sometimes you'll get around people who are, have made the decision that there is nothing. You, you die and oblivion awaits. It's the, you know, and then sometimes I've gotten the sense that there's almost a kind of aggression around this perspective in the sense that you get around them and you realize they're like trying to ghost story you, you know, like they're like trying to, they, they, they're so scared of it. They say it like they're, you know, you know, intellectuals, but you get this weird sense of like, I kind of feel like you're trying to scare the shit out of me right now. They'll be like, don't you see when you die, it's nothing. You, you dirt and worm. <laughs> it's, it's the abyss and nothing. Or like Richard Dawkins will say, um, uh, death is the anesthesia that saves you from the pain of life, which, uh, you know, is, is really a kind of like somewhat, at least in there, there's some, uh, confession of the heavenly quality of that version of reality which is that you die and then that's it you turn off the light so to speak the body is just a neurological computer turn off the light what it means is no consequence 
for anything you've done. The karmic momentum of your life somehow is completely shut down. It's almost a miracle. It's a version of heaven they're describing. And honestly, I, you know, if someone's presenting that to me, it might be, I might be interested in that as an option, but I'm afraid it isn't an option. That's the problem. I think the more terrifying reality, everyone who's afraid of death, I'll make you more afraid, which is that what you might, you're dreaming if you think you get to die. That's the thing, you're dreaming. I wouldn't, like, you really think you get a break. That's the funny thing, is you imagine that there's a break. But regardless, uh, I think that uh, not only do, do we reincarnate, but we've reincarnated in this life. Like, if you look at the different versions of yourself, throughout this just this incarnation how many different versions of you have there been not just the little baby you or the teenage you when i think of the teenage me good christ what, a, <laughs> what a, i'm like stealing money from my mom for drugs you know i'm like rampaging i'm a rampaging i'm like always on acid you know like just constant never-ending vortex of chaos you know and that's a different version of me. And then when I think about me when I was in college or me when I first started working with stand-up comedy or, you know, you see, oh my God, it's like, it might as well be like, it's like a dream almost, you know, you dream, you, you go through chapters in a dream and then you wake up. So my feeling is that, yes, it's, it's, we, we have, the way Ramdas describes it is the best. He says, to understand how long you've been here, imagine a, a, a a dove flying over the Himalayas with a silk scarf in its beak and the very tip of the scarf brushes the highest peak and the amount of time it would take that dove to turn that mountain into a valley. That's how long you've been doing this game, this dance, this human thing. And also the idea of reincarnation is really funny that many people have is that it's like it goes past, present, future. So you die now and you reincarnate like sometime ahead of schedule, right? But really, I don't think that is how it works. I think there's you die and you could reincarnate in the 1800s. You could reincarnate in an alternate dimension. You could wake up. You know what I mean? There's no telling because we're talking about something outside of the simulation as we understand it. So absolutely, there's reincarnation, uh, 100%. There's, and we reincarnate every day. I mean, you, you, you fall asleep. What's what the fuck is this is the funniest thing about <laughs> existing like we all just take that for granted like this is one of the things Terrence McKenna says is at any given moment half the planet is hallucinating like right now half the planet is asleep completely vividly imagining they're like riding a unicorn through pasta or something like that this is crazy you know what I mean we have to take that for granted you you close your eyes and you wake up the next day. And you are gone, man. Maybe you had some dreams, but you are gone. We just are like, yeah, that's I'm what happens. Gone when I sleep. What's that? I'm gone. 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 I don't gone. wake up. Yeah. And I don't wake up. Think about that. That's just wild. I was, um, it's funny because last night I felt the same. Um, my, my sleep used to be terrible. Now it's, it's, it's getting better. Great. Um, and, I went to sleep at 9.30, as you do as a, as a dad, because you're exhausted. And, yeah. then, and, then, and I was so deep and gone that 
my daughter woke me up on the monitor and she cried. She was crying. And I was like, wow, that sleep was so quick. And obviously the moon was so bright. It was piercing through my blinds. So I was like, oh shit, I slept the whole night. I went and checked the time. It was 11.30 p.m. I was like, what the fuck? Where the fuck did I go? Yeah, where'd you go? Literally. You know, and we're so terrified of death, but we we're like, look forward to going to sleep. We die every yeah. night. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 and, and yeah, the, to, so to me, there is a little bit of a worry in the sense, not that it used to be, yeah, I'm going to die forever. Now it's like, man, I really hope there's like some break, like mm-hmm. a spa experience in between, you know, some kind of like Alpha Centauri puddles of moon dust. That I can like, relax in before I blast in again because uh, I'm, I don't think there is. I think it's just like, you know, and also the, there's another assumption with reincarnation, which is that you die and then you get to be a baby. I'm not sure that happens. Hello, wait a minute. Well, who is that? Wait. Oh. I just found Jesus' candle with my dad's face on it. <laughs> I couldn't tell if it was Jesus or Elvis. You uh, can't. Tell the difference between Jesus or my dad in this picture that. Uh, well, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy. My, uh, I, I feel like you would go to Joshua Tree a lot. Am I mistaken? Me? Yeah. Have you ever been or no? My answer to that is I don't like mushrooms as much as you think I do. I think this is what <laughs> I would. I, I wish that at Joshua Tree, they had, on that sign when you enter, they'd said how many people in Joshua Tree were tripping. <laughs> Because, like, any, who, who isn't tripping at Joshua Tree? That's all I want to know. Is okay, that- okay, okay. So, you, you don't go to Joshua Tree. Okay. I do. I love it. But I, I do love it. I do love Joshua Tree. And I'm, I'm flattered that you think I go there more than I do. Have you been to or have you heard of the Crochet Museum or no? No. Okay. So, um, there's, a, there's a museum there. And uh, the owner, Sherry Elf, I call her my Sherry Godmother. Cause I met her, yes, on mushrooms, but like it, we just <laughs> have a connection. That's like I swear to you, like like this is my like fairy godmother. Like I just I don't know what it is, but like I love her, and like she has just become like my like I don't know, like she's just like my fairy godmother from another land. I don't know, and she painted this picture of Jesus, and I was like, that kind of looks like my dad. It and does, so I it. yeah. That's a serious Jesus painting, though. That one, the candle, I don't, well, you know, that the candle is great, but that Jesus painting, that's the one that's, that's why your house is on it. Um, it oh, my God! That's why your house is on it. We had Damien Eccles on as well, and obviously I love that, the, the Midnight Gospel with him. Um, he, 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 what did he say? He told us that when he showed up at your house, you were wearing a, a Jesus hat. Was it a, a, oh, on fire. fire for Jesus. Yeah. On fire. Jesus and I said that I should get my dad that same hat. You should. They're out. They're out there. I. I, I just I, my dad for him. I'm on fire for Jesus. That's what you yeah. call <laughs> They're durable. <laughs> fire for Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I. You know, I realized I was wearing the on fire for Jesus hat, and I had a moment where I, I thought, man, I hope, I hope he doesn't think I'm challenging him in some embarrassing way. You know, like, uh, come out in the house, witch. Yeah. Yeah. Here, but I'm gonna interview you. <laughs> but I do love Jesus. I mean, my God, that I can't think of a more psychedelic bit of scripture out there. Like of all the in a more human, like you know, so like what I love about the Jesus story so much is he tried to get out of it. 
you know, that's what I think is so cool about it. The Garden of Gethsemane, he was saying, take this cup away from me. There, he was trying to get out of, the, out of it. And I think that's the most human mm-hmm. Messiah we got, which is that, that any, can you, is there another, there's got to be some other, maybe there's got to be some other way than like being, you know, suffocated with nails in my hands. And I think that's the most beautiful thing. I really connect to that. Yeah. Have you, have, I talk about this all the time. Have you ever read any of the Seth Speaks books? No, I haven't. But I've heard of them, of course. So I've yeah. had read them. He, he talks about the crucifixion and it being the actual idea of dream reality, that it didn't actually exist. I mean, this is obviously the book. Yeah. Um, and he talks about so many other scopes of things. And, um, about Can you talk about that some more? What do you mean, the idea of dream reality? So he, he basically says that the idea of the crucifixion, and Jesus wasn't one person, he was three people. Um, but during the, the, the time periods, um, we have put them as one person because, you know, it's like Chinese whispers, you know, one tells a story, one tells a story and it keeps just passing, mm-hmm. passing along. He says, John the Baptist was, was part of Jesus his consciousness. So whether or not he's re- reincarnated as uh, Jesus was reincarnated of John the Baptist. Um, and he mentioned someone else. He said, there's a third Jesus coming, which hasn't been, which hasn't arrived yet, but it's all part of the same, I don't know, the same soul, the same essence. Um, and he says the idea of the crucifixion didn't happen, but he also says that, um, it wasn't Jesus who was crucified. So in terms of, uh, I don't know, he, he said that it was a a drunk man who the disciples convinced himself that he was Jesus. And that's why they saw Jesus rise after the dead and stuff, because they were protecting him. Um, and the reason why, because again, if you pull back to manifestations and everything, like everything in your life is you. Um, you create your whole existence from the finite detail, the way you look, the way you feel, the, you know, the way you feel is the way you look um, and all these type of things. And, and, you know, it's like, what time is it now? Oh, it's Jesus time. Frozen. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's 2.57 PM, Jesus time, 2020, you know? So he's been remembered his whole existence. And I feel like if he was operating on that level, I don't think he would have manifested a crucifixion. Oh, well, I mean... Because, I mean, he would pick people up off the street and feed them. And, and you know, he had this unresisting uh, essence to him. So, again, I'm talking from a spiritual, practical standpoint. If you do truly manifest everything you, you are, I, I don't feel like he could have manifested a crucifixion, personally. Yeah, well, you know, man, I, you know, I, that is an inch. I don't know. Listen, your guess is as good as mine, Fred. I, I don't know. I mean, the... To me, I just think it, the world has a tendency to destroy beautiful things, regardless of the manifestation potency. And, you know, the, I love the manifestation stuff. I've used it with some success. Uh, Ernest Holmes, The Science of Mind, in particular, I love agape, and I really find it to be quite beautiful. But, um, you know, if we are looking at things on a non, like, if we look at things from the perspective of millennia instead of years, then I don't think a, necessarily a crucifixion is the worst thing to manifest if the result of the crucifixion is some kind of spiritual atomic blast, mm-hmm. these seismic shockwaves through all of eternity and gives people who are in the worst situations of their lives where I think, and I, I want to believe that manifestation could open the door to a prison or could allow you to sort of, uh, and maybe it can for some very advanced practitioners out there, but, you know, some people find themselves pretty crucified you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like just in general like there's a 
most of us, you know what I'm saying? That's what I love about it. It's like, I've heard it described like this symbolically, like the whole historic Jesus thing. Yawn, boy, it bores the shit out of me. But the symbolic, so the cross represents a timeline meeting infinity, you know? Yep. So we have past, present, and future, and then the infinite. And the thieves on either side represent the fixation on the past or the future. And the crucifix represents the uh, predicament of an eternal thing being temporarily wrapped up in time, constantly being lost in thoughts of what have happened or things that are to come. And the Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Right after the best thing you could say, which is another thing I love about it, which is, Father, why have you forsaken me? Indicating a situation of absolute despair. And to me, I think the problem with some of the, and I'm not talking about you, my friend, because I really do think some people need a good injection of that manifestation energy and the reality of like, look, you can do just about anything you want. But also, I think there is a tendency to try to put, to try to clean it up a little bit, which is like, man, sometimes you find yourself, you're, you're fucking crucified. There's no better word for it. You made a bunch of shitty decisions. You manifested yourself onto a cross. Yeah. The cross might be a shitty job. It might be, you might be in jail. You might have everybody hating your ass because you're a dumb, belligerent drunk for 20 years straight. You know, I don't care what it is, but that mo and then, and in that moment you think, I think I'll just kill myself. And you think I've been abandoned by everything. Mm -hmm. And then exactly that moment where you really surrender to the, the fact that you're on a cross and stop trying to weasel out of it something starts something happens that is really great yeah you die you die your personality everything you thought you were all that work you put into the thing that was fucking your life up dead yeah then what happens i think uh, I, I, you rise I, again I, I i exactly um i i love the 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 the, the spiritual I, I call it religiousness not really religion it's not really you know because every religious text mentions Jesus, mentions, uh, you know, all, all those type of things. I think we forget that, you know, Jesus didn't write Christianity. He wasn't known as a Christian. He wrote erotic uh, fiction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's amazing. <laughs> um, uh, uh, so, I, I, again, because, I, you know, your Midnight Gospel has so many spiritual connotations. Um, I, I, and, you know, you talk about every single religion. Um, was that something that was instilled from like young? Is this something you grew up around or is this something that you've kind of self-discovered? Yeah, yes. I mean, I, both kind of. I, I think, you know, I've just always loved, uh, I, lo I just love the scriptures, many scriptures of the world. I love them. And um, I, I, I find them to be so fulfilling and healing to read and and so mystical and obviously and you know i had this wonderful experience when i was in college i had taken lsd i was in a religions class and i picked up the new testament and i started reading the book of john and i i realized see there's my poodle <laughs> that's, that's the oh listen to that shriek uh the shriek that's my dog was my dog was shrieking this morning and I was so upset. I, there's a time when I just don't want to wake up. And if the dogs start barking, 
I can feel like tears like coming in my eyes like like because I'm just I don't want to wake up like I like it pains me that that they're like I literally had tears in my eyes this morning they were like they were Uh, not working I did not want to move I know I'm there with you I'm there with you (laughs) and I know what you mean by the shriek it's like it's 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 your, your ears bleed think how high strung you have to be though like this really gives you an, an idea of a dog psychology, like to be that high strung, like I'm yeah. pretty sure it's like a Instacart and that's enough to make the poodle like, what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> Holy fucking yeah. shit. That's my dog. My dog's he has poodle and like anything, anything. It could like literally be like the air conditioning coming on and it'll like crack a little bit and it, <sighs> dog goes crazy yeah this is our lives now this is our car i want to talk about karma there's your karma welcome to it that's every more you got that for a long time and you'll go through every phase uh through of it you know and there's just no way to you just have to let it roll there's nothing you could do i mean unless you want to be a monster like some people die dog yeah, I mean, I had two dogs growing up, and my daughter is obsessed with. I call them woof woofs. She's obsessed with them. But she's not getting one. No, I know. no. One and one child and done. I'm like, I like the odds of fifty and fifty. I, two kids for me is like a hundred and a hundred. I I don't like those odds. <laughs> I've got another one on the way. For Have you? Congratulations. Thank you. Oh. <sighs> There we I go. Love, I love the scriptures. I mean, I, I, you know, I was about to bore you with the LSD gospel of John story, but I find them all to be so beautiful. I think if you can extract yourself from getting caught up in the literal interpretation of it, that, that, that can help you yeah. avoid some of the like clear problems in them uh, or some of the, you know, <clears throat> whatever it is, pa- patriarchal language or whatever, but it's you, I mean, like you can, you can bore your kids in a pot if they're disobedient. And, and treat and treat you bad. I saw Jesus if he's taking LSD and reading the Bible. What's that? I wrote a song called "I Got So High I Saw Jesus," and you're telling me you're taking LSD and reading the Bible. So I feel like I feel like you need to hear that song because yeah. I definitely I that was about me on like shrooms and just like even being high. Like I wrote a song called "The End of Everything" that's about I love that song. Oh, you know that song? Okay. Absolutely. Brilliant. That's about death and like that's inevitable, you know? And that's me. I was like literally just sitting right here. We wrote it right here in these two chairs. And I was looking outside and there's mountains. You can see the, you know, the, um, I call it the slide on the, on the 405 in Santa Clarita, like that goes down the hill. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yes. The big long thing. You can see it from my house. And I was looking at it and I was just thinking about it blowing up. I don't know why, but like, I just, I kept thinking about the world and it just ending right in front of me. Right. And we started watching uh, a time lapse of the future by uh, John Boswell and, and it's called Melody Sheep, um, his YouTube channel. And you can watch the full last documentary if you want, but it's like um, this thing video as my, music video i had him just kind of like make the same video that inspired the song into a three minute Um, video 
Um, so you can literally watch the universe scientifically, how it will come to its end. Um, but that's what inspired it was my fear of death. And I don't think, I don't think if I hadn't had the, the moment that made me write, I got so high that I saw Jesus, I wouldn't have really been mentally capable of writing the end of everything. Whoa. Whoa. I not mentally there. Yeah, I know what you mean. To, to process it. Because I don't know if right now, in this moment, I would have been able to write the end of everything. I got it. Much more positive place when I wrote the end of everything. When I wa- when I saw that beautiful beautiful video, I gotta tell you, as a dad, and this I'm gonna do a cheesy old man thing. I don't. Care. <laughs> That's part of being a dad. You don't have to care as much. But I had this moment of like, you know what? This world is not as bad as I thought. If that's the kind of music people are making right now, and I thought that's the kind of music my kid is going to get to listen to now, and to me it was just a really like that's the rainbow. That's why you are a rainbow child is because that's the idea. The rainbow is like look, yeah, look, shit sucks. There was a, a flood, probably a historically probably like a comet went through the earth's atmosphere and, and melted these ice sheets and caused this massive unprecedented flood that wiped out a lot of civilizations. And, but the whole point of the rainbow, if you can pull yourself out of the literal thing, which is like, Oh wow, really? Thanks. So you're, so that's it. You're going to throw up a fucking color spectrum in the sky after you did a mass genocide of, after you wiped everybody out because we didn't act the way you wanted us to and now we're supposed to feel better? I'm sorry, no way. But if you look at it at deeper, from a deeper perspective, which is that, uh, you know, on the other side, that was why, why I called it Midnight Gospel. Because the, you know, uh, we've got the, ato- the apocalypse clock, the, the clock that's like two seconds for midnight, how close we are to a nuclear war. And they're always moving it up a little bit and it scares the shit out of you. And so to me, that midnight represented the apocalypse or the darkest time or the place in your life where you are, Father, why have you forsaken me? And then gospel means good news. And so it was the idea that even in the worst moment of your life, a rainbow will appear. And that it, it, that's the situation that we're in. If you get too caught up in believing just in that darkness, well, then, you know, I think you're in, that's your manifestation you know, that's where you, you're, you're in for a wild ride. But then I think regardless of your exhortations as a manifester, there is going to be, a, that's the beautiful moment of redemption, the moment where, where a hand reaches into your reality from some unknown place that you never could have predicted and pulls you into a new life. And I think that that's one of the beautiful processes that we're involved in as a sentient bit of meat in, the, in this dimension is that that's got to be a joy. I mean, if you're an infinite being and you break yourself up into segments of temporary incarnations where you get the shit scared out of you and right in the darkest moment, second act in a movie, right? Or what is it? The third set, the moment where the protagonist is in a mo- the most terrible situation. And then suddenly, what do you know? There's light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Woo! That's my favorite thing in a dream when you're getting eaten by bears or whatever, and you realize you're in a dream. <laughs> it's not the best you're like oh fuck it was just a dream it's it's, you know? it's funny now because when i dream i i know i'm dreaming so it's yeah. like oh so if anything happens i'm like oh it's fine i'm dreaming wow yeah 
I, 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 I don't know. I don't know why, but I, I just am aware. It's like um, another thing I want to touch up on um, is, you know, you you say um, you talk about tornadoes. It's like you can't control in one of the episodes, and it really struck me because. Again, if we all believe in manifestations and stuff, we have to under we have to be, well. You should believe that um, if you truly believe um, that we also control the weather emotionally, physically, all these type of things, um, or collectively we do. And 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 you know, I guess we all experienced that earthquake the other day, which you just uh, read my mind. Oh, see, there we go. That's so wild. Yeah. I'm just thinking about the earthquake. Yeah, at that. And, and, and we're, we're at my house right now. Like me and Sandy were at my house for the earthquake and my boyfriend was at the studio. And I just remember like thinking like, I hope he's okay. You know, cause like the studio, I don't know. Like it's just weird. Yeah. Freaky. The, the earthquake was so big. So big. But the, the thing is I, when I was asleep, I knew it was coming. It was the strangest thing. And my wife did too. And you know, she woke up like, Oh my God, earthquake. And I was like, it's okay. We're safe. Damn. And I had the baby monitor already like ready to go watching. And she was fast asleep. You Mine know, too. Left fast right asleep. Through. Like she probably just thought this is great. Dad's rocking me or something. I sob it. I like it. Yeah. And I was like, I'm safe because I always now, you know, if, you know, because I've tapped into that, my, my awareness of it. So, you know, I get in my car with my, with my daughter and my wife. I'm like, we're safe. I get out the car, I go to the store. We're safe. I get, you know, so I'm projecting this, this safeness or building this, 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 uh, environment around us. And even to a point as I woke up from that, as, as my bed was shaking, I was like, oh, we're safe. There was no like element of fear or don't get me wrong. The, the first earthquake I've ever had, I thought it was a fucking poltergeist shaking my bed. That's how far removed yeah. I am from, from earthquakes. Um, but this again, year, last year have been the first years like of my life where I've really felt I've ever felt the earthquakes here in LA, like mm -hmm. I've lived here my whole life. And you know, like everybody's like, you feel the earthquake, you feel the earthquake, never felt earthquakes, except the one that we had, um, post 4th of July last year. And this one, they're the only two earthquakes that I felt ever in my life. And like, they've been scaring the shit out of me. Yeah. Like, no, we, 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 I mean, we, you can, you can kind of see, you know, when, when lockdown happened and it kept happening, it kept happening. There was this massive pressure building with everyone at home, you know, stressing out. And then obviously we had the much welcomed, you know, the protests and there was just so many things that were positively building, should I say. And then obviously the earthquake that it was like the hottest day of the year. Everyone was fucking hot as shit. So I, I in, in a weird way, I knew something was coming. The difference is I knew I wasn't going to be affected by it. Um, and I think that's the difference between, you know, understanding that we are 100% these tentacles that are fucking driving out into the universe, attracting everything we fear, everything we, we don't fear, everything we want, everything we don't want. You know, am I good enough? Am I not good enough? Am I this? Am I that? Do I have enough of this? Like, it's all these things. So I feel like for me now, because I'm in a position where I quiet my mind and I work on it, now, and I've removed myself from society in terms of, you know, the only social media I do is fucking this podcast. Um, I'm not focused on anything else but what's around me. Look, man, if I have to choose someone to be in an earthquake with, it's going to be you. I don't want to <laughs> guy freaking the fuck out. You know what I mean? Like, 
literally like all the stuff aside of law of attraction, your survivability, if you don't panic, is like you, your chances of surviving any situation increase astronomically. Like there's a book, it's called Pieces Every Step. I haven't read in a long time. It's by Thich Nhat Hanh. He's a Buddhist. It's a great book, but he tells a story. He was a refugee. They were escaping. They're on a boat. And I can't remember exactly what happened, but there was a moment where it looked like they were going to get arrested and someone started freaking out, but there was a person on the boat who had what you're, you have and actually said it in a real way, not in the way I would say it, which would be like, we're fine. Everyone calm the fuck down. We're going to be fucked. We're going to be fine. But like really said, no, we're fine. We're protected. We're going to be fine. And everyone calmed down. Like even, I think he even mentions like a baby that was like freaking out. Everyone just calmed down because of that energy. Yeah. And sure as hell, they got out of there. So I, I think like, that's- I met, how it felt when I met, like like when Lou and I met, like my my world was like that all the time. You know, like I was fighting depression really hard. Like I was like, suicidal i was like really sad you know i like was really really sad can't coming off this tour and lou was new to my world and 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 he and his wife like met me and they just it literally felt like the day i met them they just said you're gonna be fine like i don't know like we got you like like i had this new like second family and that's why lou and i are so close and like I'm Freya's godmom and like I'm we've literally known each other what going on two years and I that's what that felt like when I met Lou and he's oh you know I feel like you say you've been practicing more and reading more and like whatever but also I feel like you know even since I met you you just like you were calming you like like really like if you if you had met me before I met Lou and to now I'm two different people. And I would definitely say like, that is because when I met them, they kind of gave me that it's fine. You're going to be okay. Like he, he knew what I was dealing with. He knew I was struggling. You could see I was struggling. It was very evident. I was struggling. Um, and that sense of calmness seemed to like, be able to like bring me in and like be able to talk to somebody that was like on my team and be able to start a discussion with the team. Cause I didn't know how to communicate to anybody. I didn't feel like I was being heard, you know? And then Lou came in and it kind of felt like all like the, you know, crazy waves and the earthquakes and the tornadoes and all of that thought, you know, cause all of that was up in my head. You know, that's my head can be so crazy. So I don't know. Lou, sorry to go on that rant, but I'm that's what it you. felt ever. I feel like, you know, it was, he lived in his old apartment and he just, he said, come over. And he actually, we started working together before we even met. And then he was like, come over and hang out with me and the wife and whatever. And we, we'll kick it, smoke weed. And <laughs> when we got there, it was just beyond that. You know, it felt like, ah, like the connection, like a family connection, you know? Yeah, I know that feeling. That's the best. Satsang, that's what we call it, satsang. But yeah, and also, you know what? This is like Ramdas would always talk about how the best thing you could do for other people is to work on yourself. Yeah. 
like the whole missionary thing of going to save people or whatever, forget it. But that thing where you get that thing that you have there, Lou, you know, you don't have to say, this is one of the beautiful things about it is you don't have to like say something. You don't have to like preach. You just be, I've been around, Ram Dass is like that. He doesn't, he didn't have to say anything. He would just smile at you. Yeah. I forget why you were bummed and it was amazing. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's because it, I, I, I watch so many, you know, I read so many self-help books and I read spiritual books and I read all that type of stuff. I think uh, Damien Eccles was the first autobiography I'd ever read and it blew my mind. And you can kind of, again, like dissect all, of, you know, before he was in prison, all that, you know, he had such a, a relationship. Uh, you could, I mean, I, I suggest everyone is, what is it? Life on, on death row. It was incredible. But I, I, again, I could dissect all of his thoughts and feelings that led him up until that point. Um, and obviously his, it was his mind and mindset and his meditation that got him out of there as well as attracting the whole, everyone to help them. I mean, there was a massive injustice anyway. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I, I look at, you know, so many people who, um, who are on stage and giving advice and I, it's just, it's you. Everything stems back to you. I and mean, then there isn't much else I can say apart from it's, it's you, you are the, the whole creator, you know, we're created in God's image. It doesn't mention with limitations. Um, and I'm just, you know, just touching up on specifics. Um, but again, watching midnight gospel and stuff opened up all those conversations. Me and my wife, I mean, we talk about this stuff all the time and we talk about it with our daughter too. Um, so God help her when she grows up trying to be super aware. Cause I, I was like un, unaware. Um, <laughs> but then again, for me, it was that ignorance was bliss. You know, now I'm aware it can also be a detriment as well as a positive, if that makes sense. Oh, it's real detriment for sure. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I mean, I love my manifesting friends. They're wonderful. I love being around them. I always, it's great. It's like a little vacation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I tell you, I need a vacation though. You do? Oh my where, God. Go to, where do you want to go? We, we just went up to Big Bear. I have to, I, I have to get my daughter a passport, but she, the passport office, I guess, isn't open here or can't, or any of that type of shit. Uh, my, my UK passport is running out and that UK office is closed as well. So we're pretty much stuck. Not that I would travel anywhere right now anyway. I know. We are safe. Uh, where do we go? I mean, yeah, we can travel. That's the problem with us. We've been cooped in the house. We're like, let's go somewhere. And then we're like, wait, we can't, there's nowhere to go. Yeah. And I so. love my home. So I'm like. Even now, like going out and putting the mask on and going to the grocery store, I'm like, get me back home quick. I know. I've been, I've been doing uh, like bonds. Well, I haven't even been at my house really. When, like I don't have any groceries at my house other than bottles of water. But like when I do, it's like Vaughn's delivery or like <laughs> whatever. Because I did not – I have not been to a grocery store since probably like – I've been to CVS for like – medications that's that's about it like i remember my show was what march 10th and that's that was ever ago that was yeah, yeah that was like last hurrah um yeah same i'm getting everything delivered man i'm not going to, you don't go to a cvs <laughs> that's the worst place to go i know a pharmacy that delivers don't do I that have, like, they're delivering now i had to go at <laughs> one time i had to go and like it's like preparing for battle i came out with like two boxes of face masks and gloves after and hand sanitizer and 
all the wipes you can imagine. Yes. You know, as I was checking out, I'm like, well, let me grab this, let me grab this, let me grab this. But yeah. Um, My wife and I just went to a hotel and it was like, I, I, we were like the stereotypical cliche OCD person in a movie or like, you know, someone trying to cover up a murder, you know, going around sanitizer, spraying the phone, so like why, with the remote control, the doorknobs, like yeah. everything's got to be clean, clean. And we're both saying to ourselves, this is totally normal. For a while, I was putting my phone in a plastic bag when I would leave. Like that's, uh-huh. yeah, I was doing. I'd put it in a plastic bag when I'd leave and I'd use it through the plastic baggie and then I'd throw the plastic baggie away when I got home. That was, that was, uh, like when I had to, I had to go to a few doctor's appointments and stuff. And like, um, they had to move my doctor cause my doctor's in the hospital. And so it was like a whole thing. And I just like with the doctors and everything, I was like, I'm going to put my phone in the bag. So, so uh, hotels are like open. I mean, again, cause I don't, I, I'm, I don't know what's going on in the news. I like, I don't know. I don't see any of that. And I'm like, I don't even know if any is things are still open. Right. Yeah, they're open, but it's weird. I mean, no matter what, it's weird. It's like, try to enjoy, like this hotel we went to, it was like, it was great. Because <laughs> there's room service. Just exp- just like the ancient times, you get room oh. service, you know, you just lay in bed, put on forensic files. Just- forensic files! Yes. 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 <laughs> wow. Just I'm going to put on forensic files. Wow. When done with therapy and like it's like nap time after like crying forever and i'm like it's like time for a good sleep i'm gonna put on forensic files it puts me to sleep forensic files is like ambient i i you know what i used to fall asleep to forensic files um all the time and then obviously the seth books is like it's like you know when you go to the movies and you watch a horror film the only way that that horror movie doesn't get attracted to your life because you know it's a it's a movie yeah and I was like, fuck this shit. I'm not watching this shit or falling asleep anymore to, but, but the thing I liked about it is there's a beginning a middle and an end, even though we enjoy it. And it's like fucked up that we enjoy it. If you think about it. It's uh, fucked up, friend. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's fucked really? up. There's no other way around it. Stuff like that to go to bed. Like even I swear last night, like we were going to bed and uh, my boyfriend had on American Horror Story. I was like, we have to turn this off. Like, I'm like, I was like literally going to bed hearing people getting murdered. And I was like, can we turn it off, please? Because it was scaring me. Like, and I knew it was like fake and I've watched it so many times. It's like one of my favorite shows, but like going to bed and like hearing, like, I don't know, it was freaking me out last night. So I like stopped with the, it used to be like, Forensic Files, Drugs Incorporated, like all of those. And I've like stopped watching those to go to bed because yeah. they, give, they give me weird panicky dreams. Yeah, it's bad news. I mean, like I fall, as I'm falling asleep, I will have a moment of like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> like this isn't a waterfall. This is a, a, a narrator who sounds like he lives in a crypt talking about people who've been murdered. And I'm like, ah, how nice. <laughs> Oh, like 10,000 episodes. Files. Let me kick back and watch Forensic Files. <laughs> but it is relaxing. But yeah, you can go to a hotel right now, but you, I, I don't know. I mean, we did it because uh, we went to see um, my mother in law, and you know, the, everything's calculated risk right now. I'm a little, I think 
But I'll tell you, Big Bear, you can go there, get a nice Airbnb, go out on the lake. There's stuff you could do. That's the problem with this thing is you can trick your, you can get, you can manifest limitation right now, not even understanding that there's all kinds of things you can still do safely, but it, everything's harder. Everything's harder. I mean, that's the thing. You're going to be peeing on the side of the road. You don't want to go into a bathroom. So it's like, there's all kinds of like things you got to do that are annoying. <laughs> I'm in home. I'm staying home. Like, yeah, this is this is home. life. Yeah. Um, Duncan, you post a a bunch of UFO shit. I mean, like, don't get a ridiculous started. amount. Like, I'm just like, wow. No. I mean, I love it. It's funny because even you know, you posted it, and a bunch of other people I follow posted recently what I guess the government released or something had got released. Yeah. Um, and I always feel like those are always like the pre the preparation of what's actually coming. You know, like. Uh, you know, like Armageddon is like a preparation for a meteorite hitting us or what's that yeah. Will Smith movie, the UFO one, you know, or any of those Hollywood movies that has a connotation of something we think exists, but we don't actually know, even though we yeah. know it's always like a pre pre thing to prepare. You'd be like, oh, shit, it's actually coming. Yeah. Don't listen. The I'll tell you. So this is one of my favorite. Like, I'm sure you all have great stories about this, too, man. I mean, you got. Y'all literally have access if you wanted it. That's, I think you forget that. It's like, if you wanted to like go up the chain, you can go up the chain. I, I'm not naming names, but I have talked to some of my most famous friends and said to them, you got to find out. I don't know who you know, but I know you know some people. <laughs> and you, you could ask them if they know people and they can ask those people and somewhere up the chain, there's someone who's like, yeah, there's UFOs. Relax, of course. What'd you think? But- uh, you know, I was, I was in, uh, Arlington, Virginia doing stand up and just like talking about how weird Virginia is, how I'd seen like a born identity on a, on the, like, you see like people who have killed, killed, you see real operatives out there. This, you know, it's like the CIA. It's like you're, if there's a UFO piece, it's probably somewhere around Arlington. And I mentioned the footage that the Navy leaked about that, you know, that we've all seen by now, which are these things that are, you know, they're not operating the way we understand physics. They're going too fast. They're doing dead stops. They seems to be some kind of anti-grav thrust or something. We understand the physics of it, but we can't replicate it. And it's crazy. And so I was just yapping about that. I got off stage and I get an Instagram and it's from this guy. He's like, Hey, just so you know, I work in the Nate, what's like the FBI of the Navy. Like we had to investigate that. And we had to investigate that guy and we had to figure out what it was. And we don't know what it is, man. That was the craziest thing. And, you know, who knows? Could have been anyone. Could have been anyone on the gram. But it seemed real. And then now, all of a sudden, we are getting this, like, New York, two New York Times articles. Both of them saying that the Pentagon is on the precipice of disclosing hitherto deeply hidden information regarding the existence of off-world crafts <laughs> that they have. And you know what I mean? Off-world craft. They have something that was not made on this planet and they're about to tell us that. Now, if this really happens, then we're, we are looking at a thing that is as powerful as the crucifixion of Christ or the symbolic crucifixion of Christ or whatever you want to talk. We're looking at a thing at that level as far as human consciousness goes. I mean, it means that they're, 
for whatever reason, if you believe it's true, then we're being ushered into like the age of, of it means we might not die on this planet. Yeah. That's what it means. It means that there's yeah. a possibility that we're, that the, the earth is being led into the club and that we're going to be able to, you know, theoretically, depending on like, there's two possibilities. They crash the damn thing, which is kind of unnerving, right? Like, wait, they're supposed to be advanced intelligences, but they can't fly their own fucking spaceships. That's like, it, you know, <laughs> but not what, what you like traveled <laughs> through space and got here and you literally you wrecked like we can we get our Mars probes doing good. So there's a problem there, which is like, wait, you, I hope they're advanced enough that the wreck was on purpose to give us the technology. But regardless, the real obvious question that we have to worry about is what is their ethics? What's their morality? Are they benevolent? Are they not ben benevolent? Are they benevolent according to what we think benevolence is? You know, there are a lot of like mm -hmm. things we have to wonder about related to, to these things. Uh, but if it's the way I think it probably is, which is, you know, we all knew it was coming. Yeah. We, we, we already know the answer. I mean, if they were going to do any harm, they would have done it by now and have the capabilities to do it. Why do you think that? Because if they've advanced and I mean, they've clearly been coming here for forever. Maybe they're saving it up. I, I, maybe, I, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I mean, maybe I, COVID is a flavor for them. Maybe, maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a thing to keep us inside. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's like, oh, you know, like the way COVID tastes inside a person and they're like, spicing you know, up the earth. Cause you can't, you know, it's true. You can't handle People can't handle the truth. If the UFO was to land right now in the middle of LA and just chill there. It's like, what's that film? Um, I can't remember. You know, when, when the alien lands down and then the Earth starts destroying themselves and, you know, what we don't understand yeah. we fear and what we fear we try to destroy is fucking true because religion is out the window. Um, me being, you know, someone, Joe Bloggs, is trying to buy a house. Why, Why is religion out the window? Because in no religious text does it mention anything about anything apart from that religion. Oh, shit, man. Have you read the book of Ezekiel? I actually haven't. Oh, good God. It's clearly a UFO encounter that's describing a ship in the sky. Like, it's one of any ancient alien thing. I mean, I fucking love ancient aliens. It's like the chariots in the sky. And I, absolutely, I understand like, the connotations of that. But I'm talking like the fear factor of, you know, how much fear there is right now. If an alien landed, the world would just, would, I, I believe, would destroy itself. I mean, I, I would be safe because my universe is safe. But in terms of... The actual idea of it, I think that's the reason why the concealment or has been for so long, because we, I mean, people would start destroying themselves. You know, why am I living the way I'm living when someone's living just so much better and there's a fucking E.T. above my head? <laughs> I'm going to do whatever the fuck I need to do to, it doesn't, nothing that matters anymore. Well, I mean, this is, to me, I think about it in terms of like, you know, some of the Seth stuff you're mentioning, there's this great, it's like, they can, it reminds me of Gnosticism and the conceptualization of, of, of the Demiurge as this being that's trying to keep us sort of trapped in a simulated universe for power. And um, so essentially like, uh, any, like any, any power structure on this planet, any hierarchical power structure is related to the Demiurge and it's based on keeping you glued to your TV, eating shitty food, thinking you're going to be happy if you get like a a yacht or like a wardrobe, a Gucci wardrobe or something. The whole thing's designed to keep you sort of entangled in the material universe. And there's a sentience behind that. That's the demiurge. So a, what would happen 
uh, with a UFO, if, if, it, if it revealed itself to us, I think would be actually devastating for power structures in the sense that if, you know, okay, you know what it's like, you're traveling, you go to some hotel and you turn on local news, right? And it's cute, it's cute not to be condescending, but it's like, you know, they're talking about the high school football game and like small town stuff that you don't know about. It seems nice, quaint, interesting. It's not world news. It's not CNN. Bombs going off in Lebanon, Iran on fire, whatever. It's like, so if we suddenly have UFOs, then there's the possibility you could travel to another planet and then world news becomes local news you know what i mean it's like just some shit happening on a planet because so much of what we've been taught is nationalism where you're born you know the country you're in is the best country everyone who's born into any country thinks it's the best country there's no country that's like that's the best country some of them maybe you know what i'm saying most come most of the time you're like oh this is where i was born it's a great country this is it uh. imaginary little chunk of land that monkey descendants said that is our country. And so you so so this this sort of thing would produce a global consciousness because now the entire planet is turning towards this one thing and recognizing like oh shit there's other planets there's other places to live than this. Also, and this is a fun thing to think about. How many politicians who seem so obsessed with quote protecting us fixated on this this country? How many of them would stay here? If they could fly to another planet on a UFO, you think Lindsey Graham is sticking around? You think any of these people who are like waving the flag and telling us how to be, if they could jump on a silver ship and warp speed travel to some pleasure planet, they're not sticking around. They're retiring. So I think the disaster is not so much people going out and freaking out as much as all of a sudden we are going to align ourselves with something that's bigger than our particular country. And it's not in the interest of a country that's trying to wield supremacy and power over their people like cattle or something to suddenly have the people looking past the confines of their particular state or country into space and recognizing that we're part of a sort of galactic sentient um, family and this planet is one little moat of something. To me, that's really the problem. If I, you know what, it's like bad enough if you're a shepherd and you have to worry about your sheep wandering off into the valley and getting stuck in a fence or something. But now you got to worry about your sheep jumping in a ship <laughs> and flying off somewhere. How, hey, how am I going to tax you? Please, well, you please have to put that in that. Midnight Gospel too, please. What? Okay, I will. The shepherd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a pro I just think if like you're I, if you're a, a human herder, then it's a real problem if suddenly your flock yeah. no longer thinks that this is the only joint in town because really we're trapped in a gravity well here. You can't get off the planet. Nobody's here consensually. There's we're not hanging out here because we necessarily want to be here. We're hanging out here because we have to be. I can't fly to the moon. Would you? Fuck yeah! What? <laughs> like assuming i wouldn't be decimated by the like atmosphere or whatever or, like there's not moon scorpions or whatever I, I would of course like if i could successfully travel to other planets and and survive there i think that sure is shit mm -hmm. i mean we are humans are exploring creatures like for better or for worse most often for worse we like to travel 
we like to, you know, we like to, it's romantic to like be pioneers. And yeah. right now we find ourselves in a little bit of a pickle. Unless we grow gills, there's not much else to do. You know, we can't go into the ocean. So it's like, yeah, I think, you know, the UFO thing represents a potential for humanity, hopefully to overcome the zeitgeist connected to being stuck in a gravity well, because you happen to have been born on a planet that hasn't developed uh, safe interstellar travel or discovered other habitable planets. Mm -hmm. I, I told you not to get me going on aliens. No, I love it. I mean, I don't want to have to cut you off. I do have to go to my therapy in a minute. Absolutely. Everybody says that when I start talking about aliens. All right, I do have to go to my therapy in a minute. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, I, mean, I, I love it. I mean, uh, I just want to touch up on. Have you, have you ever seen that show Dark on Netflix? No, but I've heard it's great. Watch that shit because I feel like you would. It's the, the you know the past, the present, and the future is all happening at the same time, and that's the perfect way they articulate it. Perfect, like perfection. It's fucking insane, and you realize it. It is so. Um, I watch it. Thank you. Yes. Um, I want to thank you, Duncan. Seriously, I mean, what an yeah. honor! Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. I mean, just one one quick thing: Midnight Gospel Two. When the fuck is it coming? How far are you in? Like, please. No idea. No idea. We don't know. We don't know if there. We don't know what's going to happen with it yet. Uh, there is one coming though, right? No. Uh, what? Not 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 as of yet. They, we haven't gotten the call. No, don't know. What? Listen, I. <laughs> I'm so happy they let us make You're it. You're going to have watch. Manifester! Manifest me in second season, please. I'm going to go make some potion in the backyard and and uh, cast a spell. The, for the next full moon, I'm going to be out there. And I'm yeah. uh, most grateful to you. Good work, your magic. And thank you for having me on this. It's such a pleasure to meet you both. And if there's ever anything I can do for you, please reach out. This is a joy. Yeah, come swim with us. Come meet my baby. Well, wait, we I know we can't because of COVID, but we're clear. <laughs> Duncan, I mean, yeah, we're so not afraid. Yeah. We can socially distance. Whatever. Y'all are awesome. Thank you so much. Thank Enjoy you. your therapy. Hook oh. me. I need a good therapist.